Hello, and welcome back to HR Stew. My name is Regina Dyerly. And I'm Holly Nels. And, and this, this is HR Stew. Today's topic, how written policies and procedures can backfire when followed too closely. Picture this, a company with an employee handbook with every I dotted and every T crossed and every rule followed to the letter. It seems foolproof, right? In this episode, we'll be exploring the tales of policies turned haywire, where employees find themselves caught in a web of unintended consequences. Prior to recording this episode today, I sent you all an article. And for our listeners, here's a summary of the article from June 17th, 2023, written by the New York Post. Mary Ann Moreno, a 75-year-old employee at Circle K store in Colorado, is suing the company after being fired for briefly touching an armed thief who stole a pack of cigarettes. Moreno claims she was wrongfully terminated for her self-defense reaction, while the company cited a violation of their don't chase or confront policy regarding shoplifters and robbers. The incident has sparked debate about the appropriate response to such situations and the need for nuanced policies that consider employee safety. So I want to welcome Shelby to the conversation today. And I want to ask, as HR leaders, what are your thoughts on how Circle K handled this situation? From personal experience, if someone was coming close to me, I would react in, like she's saying, in self-defense of, you're coming close to me. You have knives. I have nothing. So I'm, I'm not chasing you. I'm not confronting you. You're coming at me. So I'm going to defend myself. Did you watch the video? I didn't see the video. Oh, I watched it. It was on the article. I think it was like kind of frozen, but I did watch it a couple of times. And that literally is what she did, right? Like she did push him, but then she realized what she did. And I think it was just your fight or flight response, right? I mean, so I think this is very unfortunate. And I think in this case, who knows why they would advise this way to terminate this woman who's worked for them. It doesn't say, I think it was like 13 years or 17 years. I can't remember. I what think is it was 17, 17 years. years. Yeah. I mean, obviously legal told them to do that. It's something to do with their insurance, I'm sure. But this just seems so punitive. Why did they have to fire her? Why couldn't they have written her up or even suspended her, did an investigation? I mean, this is a 75-year-old woman who's worked for you for 17 years and I'm assuming has been a good employee, probably has loyal customers that come in and and talk to her. And, and you just think about from the human side, and I think we should be human in business, like that, like... A 75-year-old woman, she may not just be working there because she needs the money. She might be working there to have interaction, to have social contact. Right. And I just think, what a shame that they took this route. That's my opinion. I know that this is a big company. I'm sure they were advised by legal and whatever, but I just think they didn't have to do that. There's no common sense in this. Like, she did not do what the purpose of this policy is, which is to protect them, Right. Right. That's not what she did. So I, I just think, bad on you. That's what I think. Bad on you for this. I would agree upon that, too, um, just from prior experience, because I used to work security in retail, and we had the same clause, same policy, which is there to protect the employee so you don't get yourself in a situation. But I even was in a further situation where I ended up chasing somebody outside of the store. And that's part of not doing it, getting in contact. But I just got written up and got told like, hey, you violated a policy. This is why we have it in place. 
don't do it again for your own safety. And I was like, okay, moving forward, you hit that door. I'm not coming after you anymore. So I think they definitely could have handled it a little bit better, especially just if you see the video and you just know how long she's worked there, they could have given her another chance to stay and continue being this a good This should have been a no-brainer. Yeah. This, sh- this should not have been, I completely disagree with this well, decision. Well, I wonder who sent it to legal. I mean, isn't it just typically, it's just the store manager v- viewing these videos and having these conversations. Mm-hmm. So obviously there was something he was like, well, I'm sending this to legal. This is outside of our policy. He probably did not send it to legal. He probably sent it to whoever his supervisor was. For all we know, he could have been complimentary of Marianne when he was sending it. That's fair. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes you don't know the ramifications. Like, they made her an example for no reason. Mm -hmm. Someone else is going to hire her. Next podcast, we should do an update on Marianne. Where is she now? (laughs) (laughs) Is she working at Come and Go? (laughs) At Love's? (laughs) Maverick. (laughs) I wonder what happened to her lawsuit, if there's any update. I didn't see anything, but I'm going to be following because I am interested. Mm -hmm. I think she does have a case for, well, I'm not a lawyer, disclaimer, but I think she does have a case for wrongful termination for sure. Yeah. And I'm sure her lawyer is going to throw in a few extra things, age discrimination and other things for sure, just to see, because they'll settle something. Right. So as careful as they were trying to be, right, and making sure that they were not violating insurance, their insurance, different insurance is going to pay. Right. For sure. All right, to spark some conversation, I'm going to read out some sample work policies, and I want you to give me what you think could happen if there was a strict adherence to this policy, maybe a negative reaction to that. Feel free to give examples of how you've seen these policies play out in real life with clients or with former companies, just positive or negative. So the first policy is a strict attendance policy. It's written, all employees are expected to adhere to the designated work schedule and be punctual at all times. Tardiness or absences will result in disciplinary action, including written warnings, suspension, or termination of employment. I have one for this one. So another company that I've worked for, they had a strict attendance policy, and they were minimum wage employees. So you have a lot of younger kids who were late all the time. And then it was, you know, you had five employees at a 20-person group who were on their final written warning because of their strict attendance policy, and you're having to terminate a quarter of your staff to be fair and consistent across the board or make adjustments for everybody. And it was there was no happy medium because there were a lot of people with attendance issues. And that's scary to have to terminate a quarter of your staff when you have, you know, have to run a business. I had a similar situation at my previous employer where we had someone new come in and their interpretation of the policy of being punctual was if you were one minute late, you got a full occurrence, meaning you accounted for the whole day. Oh, wow. And we had different, we had made the policy more moderate over time because the same reasons. It was like staffing was an issue. You want people to show up, but it's like, would you rather if they were one minute late or would you rather if they weren't there at all? Because that's a deterrent for even showing up. Right. It's like mm-hmm. if I'm gonna be if I'm gonna get a full occurrence for being one minute late, why even bother coming? I mean, other than getting paid, obviously, but that didn't seem to be a driving force <laughs> sometimes, you know. I don't know. Sometimes it's nonsensical. People are punitive because they wanna be or because they can be, mm-hmm. and not really looking at the at the big picture. I don't know. A lot of people have barriers to being on time or being able to get to work. And I, and I think, especially when you're working with minimum wage or low wage employees, 
I just think you have to have some flexibility built in. So you are consistent, but it has to be built into the policy. I don't know, like when there's a speckling of a uh, speckling, I don't even know what that word is, of rain, my daughter's school waves all tardies. <laughs> you know, like, they have the right to do that. You know, there's things that you could do um, as far as strict attendance policies. Sometimes that is the reason that you terminate a lot of employees, especially if you're working with a lot of hourly employees. Right. Or you get the phone call. So this employee has attendance issues, but he's a really good worker when Mm -hmm. he's here and does everything. Well, you've already terminated these 10 other people because of your attendance policy. And now you want to keep him because he's a good employee. Right. It's still the same issue. And also my argument was, oh, so actually being at work makes him a good employee. So they're not a good employee. So, you know, like, (laughs) like, you have to be there. Right. (laughs) That's number one, you know. (laughs) And I think that's one of the things we say when we're talking to our clients. We're a neutral third party. We don't have those boots on the ground. Oh, I really like Joe Schmo, but Sally, something about her personality, we clash. We can be objective and take a step back. Read the policy, read that. And we don't have those biases in the workplace. Absolutely. So the second policy is a zero tolerance social media policy. It's written... During work hours, employees are strictly prohibited from accessing or engaging in any form of social media activity, including but not limited to browsing, posting, or sharing content on all social media platforms. Violation of this policy may lead to disciplinary measures up to and including termination. I mean, in general, when you're at work, you're supposed to work, but I think also there's some stress relief with just doing some doom scrolling (laughs) throughout the day Mm -hmm. or whatever. I think it's unrealistic. I I think there's some jobs where you can't even have your phone on your desk. You know, if you take credit cards and different things or or you're dealing with personal information, there's some policies in place. But barring that, I think most people at some point during the day will look at something Well, isn't there a study or something? I don't remember. I think I saw it on LinkedIn where if you're working on a project or working on something and you take a few minutes to just step away and mindless scrolling will help you go back and be more productive in your job because you're not so focused for eight hours. Yes and no. Because I mean, if you're actually wanting to take a restful break, you would actually want to not be doing anything instead of scrolling because scrolling, you're still staying active in your brain. But I can see why people would use it as a stress relief because it gives that hit of dopamine. So makes sense. But I think in that aspect, like using LinkedIn, that's considered social media for business. So would you say you couldn't be on LinkedIn during the day when you can social media, zero tolerance, social media policy that would include LinkedIn, I'd imagine. Yeah. I mean, they don't want you looking for another job or like liking posts about uh, the the revolting remote workers, (laughs) 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 you know, while you're at work. Um, I just think it's, you know, it's 2023. It's not possible to do nothing unless you're meditating, which is still doing something. Your Mm -hmm. brain is doing something, right? So Mm -hmm. it's engaged in something, whether it's worrying about going back to work, (laughs) you know, or what else you have in your calendar for that day or whatever. Also, like social media can be so useful. I mean, in the world of TikTok, like you can go on there and you can look up HR facts or HR tips, you can find so much on there instead of just aimlessly being on there, maybe to distract yourself from work. It could actually benefit you or you could learn something to better yourself for your job. I promise you, if I'm on TikTok, I'm not looking up things about <laughs> HR. <laughs> promise. And be careful what you look up about HR. Is it factual? Yeah. And is it nice? <laughs> yeah. It's not really. Yeah. Yeah. I do want to ask, so like, how could you see this playing out poorly for maybe companies who have this in their handbooks right now. They followed it extremely strictly. I certainly see a lot of retaliation, especially when people are departing the company. I and mean, we see a lot of posts of people resigning on 
TikTok or whatever, maybe they're not showing the faces, they're just showing the voice. Sometimes they are showing the face mm-hmm. of their supervisor on the Zoom or Teams or whatever. I don't know. I just think it's another, I think it's just out of touch and just control for control's sake. Now, I think you should have policies saying you can't you know, display company information, stuff like that. I think that's reasonable. I think saying that you're not allowed to be on, I don't know. I think this is controversial because some people clearly will say, yeah, you're, you're here to do a job that you shouldn't be on social media, period. And that's true. But most people are supposed to take two 15 minute breaks or 10 minute breaks and have a lunch. And a lot of people don't do that. You know, in lieu of that, maybe they're just sitting at their desk, you know, while they're on a meeting that they don't even have to participate in. They don't even know why they were on. And the meeting could have been an email in the first place. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, they're they're scrolling, you know, just to engage their mind and and not be miserable sometimes, you know. And I'm not talking from personal experience at all. (laughs) Sometimes you need to see a cute, cuddly puppy. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Third policy is rigorous dress code policy. It's written, employees are required to always adhere to a business casual dress code during work hours. This includes wearing professional attire that aligns with the company's guidelines, which may exclude visible tattoos, excessive piercings, or unconventional hairstyles. Failure to comply with the dress code may result in corrective action up to and including termination. So I want to ask, how could you see a follow-to-the-letter approach to this policy going negative? I have one for this. Um, At a previous employer, specifically with the unconventional hairstyles, um, we had a gal come into work after a nice long weekend. She got her hair done, and it wasn't really obnoxious colored. It was one of those pretty like maroon red colors. Mm. But our director ended up feeling it was an unconventional hairstyle. And they sent her home and said, you could not come back to work until you colored her hair. (gasps) And she resigned three days later. So it backfired on them trying to implement this onto her. I just remember working for the years. I have tattoos. I have piercings. And for so long, having to wear long sleeves all the time. One sucks in the summertime. I'm not going to lie. But two, uh, I used to work at an employer that hated piercings and... Specifically, nose piercings, when girls would get them done, or even guys, you can't take out a fresh nose piercing. So they'd have us put a Band-Aid over it. And I'm like, I feel like the piercing looks better than having us all wear Band-Aids over our nose while we're working, especially we were like customer facing. So Uh I was like, what's the point of this? Just made no sense. And a lot of people used to complain about it all the time. And I think things have changed since because people are catching up with the times of this kind of policies. But yeah, I've just seen how they've they've backfired on employers before in the past. That's interesting because band-aids make me nervous. Mm-hmm. Like what's, what's under underneath that? that? Band-aid? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was the same when my husband went back to school to become a respiratory therapist and it was the same thing and he actually commuted with a woman who had several piercings on her face including I don't know what it's called the one on the cheek. Oh, is that like a dermal where it's like in the skin? Yeah, kind it's like of? in the skin. So mm-hmm. she had to wear ba- she had to wear like three different band aids on her face, and I just thought, wow, like that, like is that accomplishing what you're looking for? Mm-hmm. You know, so she looks like she has scabies instead of piercings or something. I don't know. Is that not appropriate to say? I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. There was one um, airline who wouldn't hire flight attendants with tattoos at all. And it's a lot more socially acceptable nowadays Mm -hmm. than it was maybe when I started off my career many moons ago. But I'm just like, well, how are you going to find that many people who don't have tattoos? Because maybe it's the people I associate myself with. But there are a lot of people who have tattoos and a lot of tattoos and they're visible. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's about expressing yourself now. It's totally different than when I when I was growing up, and and you still saw people with tattoos, but it was like a very specific person, right? Back in mm-hmm. the day, right now, it's just you know this is. I don't even notice it on people when I see it now. It's just like oh, it's just a part of who they I are. I don't I don't actually register it either. I don't mm-hmm. think. And with hair and the Crown Act and all of the changes there, you want to be careful. Yeah, like maroon? That is so bizarre. Yeah. And, you know, how much money did she spend on that hairdo? Mm. Probably like a couple hundred, a few hundred maybe, depending. Like to ask someone to dye their hair back? Yep. Like why? I don't know. Why do you think you could do that? That's that's interesting. But I'm never surprised by the things that Mm -hmm. will bother some people. I think sometimes with these type of policies, people might be taking more of their own... um, bias like bias personal like what they would like and what they want everyone to look like instead of just trying to you know keep up the times it's also control though yeah it's like some people that are given power will abuse their power Mm -hmm. just because they can last one is an open door policy it's written we maintain an open door policy encouraging open communication and transparency throughout the organization during operational hours office doors must be left open and unlocked so employees are encouraged to approach their supervisors, managers, or designated HR representatives with any work-related concerns, suggestions, or feedback. Failure to comply may result in corrective action up to and including termination. I have a strong opinion about this. I think this policy is ludicrous. There are some points in the day where you have to, if you're in an office, close your door so you can actually get work done. And, you know, you have all these projects and all these deadlines and people walking back and forth because it's an open door policy. I can come in and tell you what I did this weekend and how the George Strait concert was or whatever else. I understand there being an open door policy, but isn't that more of a... It's philosophical. Yes, It's philosophical. It is not supposed to be... You can't get any work done because people are going to be interrupting you all day. You're not able to have a private conversation, especially when someone wants to have a private conversation with you. Yeah, no, I mean, this is a a really poor interpretation of what the intention of this policy is. It's, you said ludicrous, I'm going to call it ridiculous. It goes back to that control thing, like somebody wanting power. And what if they walk by your office and you're having, like you said, a private conversation and they're like, oh, your door's shut, you're going to get written up. This is someone Mm -hmm. that doesn't want people to be able to go to HR. Right. You know, they want to be in the know. I actually, I I know I talked about this manager before and I've never named names or anything like that, but it was the one that also wanted to put all the employee files in her office. If you remember back, that was like episode one or two or whatever. Had a really nice office. I I was there before her and um, she actually wanted to put me in a cubicle in the center of the call center so that I was accessible to everybody because that's really what HR is supposed to be. And that was just what it was. It was, you know, she wanted to take something away and I make sure that people could not appropriately go to me. Um, so it's just, it's, it's always interesting. That's beyond an open door policy. That's a no door. That's a, yeah, there's <laughs> a cubicle. It's not even a wall, you know, not a ceiling. <laughs> it's a long time ago though. So for this next segment, we go to the forum Ask HR, where people can ask HR questions and get answers from experts. And we're going to take an example from there from Middle underscore raisin underscore seven four eight one. And this question comes from Michigan titled Boss keeps interrupting me when I try to bring up concern about a coworker. A coworker has been violating our handbook policies in ways that may involve legal matters such as discrimination against protected classes, rummaging through coworkers and personal belongings, and violating other policies that aren't legal issues. These issues have occurred to multiple people, including myself. When attempting to professionally explain her actions, employee X dismissively responds and walks away. 
I approached my boss and began expressing my serious concern about X, but I was interrupted before I could finish my sentence. My boss stated, you can't change someone's personality. I made another attempt to address the issue later, but once again, before I could report anything, my boss interrupted and made a comment like, X is really good at her job. Personality and the specific work performed are not issues at hand. I never claim they were. My boss has no knowledge of the specific details I intended to share. It's possible that others have made similar statements, but I'm not aware of the specifics. I have never filed a complaint about anyone before, so my boss should not assume that it is just a frivolous matter. What should I do? This situation leaves me feeling like I won't be able to voice any serious concerns about others in the future, even if something significant were to occur. Well, um... I think the boss is right. You can't change someone's personality. <laughs> I don't see how that relates to this, but I, I guess my question is, they're asking, ask HR, do they not have HR that they could report this to? I guess that would be my first thing. It's hard to go around your boss, but if there's a, another party that's non-biased to go to, I would suggest mm -hmm. that. Well, and too, if, I'd be surprised if other coworkers haven't spoken up. If you're rummaging through everybody's personal belongings, I mean, I'm sure there are other people having the same conversation. So put it in writing and send it to your boss's boss or send it to human mm -hmm. resources and be matter of fact and factual with your statements and what you put in the email. Leave out opinion. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, of course she would not know the specifics, right? She mentions that in her post. I, yeah, I'd be surprised if other employees didn't complain. I, if she's rummaging through other people's stuff, that would bother other employees. Right. I don't know. I, I Whenever we read these, I'm always thinking, I'm missing information. I need more information. Mm -hmm. I, it seems bizarre that the boss would not want to address this. Like, that's disruptive behavior. And then it says, such as discriminating against protective classes. Like, I feel like we need more information on that, too. Like, how? Why? When? Where? You what know, was said? What was said? <laughs> like, does she understand what discrimination means? You know, there's just a lot of open-ended questions here. It seems like this person might come from a culture that looks down upon talking to HR. How would you maybe address that? I mean, that would be someone's personal opinion if they have maybe their own fear or maybe they've had their own bad experience in the past while going to HR. But I mean, truly, we don't know if they even have an HR for them to That's go to. Because this kind of matter, I feel like I would just go to HR about, especially if my boss wouldn't talk to me about it. If there's bizarre behavior, like her rummaging through someone's stuff, I, I would immediately go to HR. So maybe there isn't one, but what his question was, if there's a culture of not going to HR, I mean, that's something that the HR person has to work on, mm -hmm. right? Being there, being accessible, uh, being trusted, um, keeping things in confidence when asked to do so. There are ways that HR builds trust, and that takes time. It doesn't happen. It could take a year. You know, mm -hmm. but it has to be done. And somebody still, regardless of whether or not there is HR, somebody has to be doing the function. I mean, clearly there's several employees here. I mean, so um, there's enough employees that somebody needs to be in charge. Um, and they have a handbook. She said they violated their handbook policies. <laughs> so who wrote that? You know, this needs to be escalated to somebody that's not her boss. Unless they're in HR, <laughs> which it doesn't sound like. That is going to bring our episode to a close. Thank you all so much for listening. Please subscribe and leave a review if you enjoyed this episode. If you have any stories about bad policies or HR questions you would like to share, message us on Instagram at hr.stew. I'm Holly. And I'm Regina. And we will see you next time on HR Stew. HR Stew.